You're listening to Sacks in the Basement, a production of the Broadcast Basement Limited, where every show is 30 minutes of good and comes from a basement bar on the south side of Chicago. Pull up a stool, pour a cold one, and join us right now for Sacks in the Basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always at SacksInTheBasement.com. And you're listening to a special edition of Socks in the Basement, getting you ready for the MLB draft and trying to figure out exactly who the White Sox are going to pick third overall. You heard a snippet of a very long conversation with James Fox of Future Socks and the Loop Sports. He's a regular here on the show. We love James. He's also very insightful. And while on the last episode, I put some of that in there, There's enough for an entire show with James. So a little bit of this you might have heard before, but there's a lot more to get into as we try to figure out what the White Sox are going to do with the third overall pick in the MLB draft and how it's going to shake out. And so without further ado, let's get to the full interview with James. Let's nerd out about pick number three. It's Socks in the Basement, found everywhere podcasts can be found and always at SocksInTheBasement.com. Socks in the Basement. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. James Fox is on the phone line with us. He's our good friend. He's been with us almost since the beginning. He writes for Future Socks, and he also writes from time to time for the Loop Sports. Hey, how are you? I'm good. I'm I'm ready to talk draft, and I've been waiting on purpose because we've had so many people ask, are we going to do something to preview the draft? And I was like, I want to wait till we get close because things change. They do. Not a lot has changed, though, I don't think, with the first four picks. It, 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 take me through the last couple of months. What what new thing has happened with these four guys that seem to be up at the top right now if I look at MLB Pipeline? And I remember them being up at the top, uh, I thought, a, a month or so ago when I looked at it, in Rushman, Witt Jr., Vaughn, and Abrams. Yeah, so I, th- I think it's similar names. I think, I think if somebody drops, it's actually it's going to be Andrew Vaughn. And I don't, you know, he's... I wrote an article in the past about how the Sox were in a good spot because they get to pick between one of the top three guys and they've been super college heavy lately. So you think like Rushman Vaughn and Bobby Witt Jr. Who's a lot of people's um, second best player, obviously like after, after Rushman. Um, so, but it, it sounds like Vaughn, if the Sox do what I think we're going to talk about here tonight and what, what, what it's like rumored that they're going to do, I think Vaughn might fall a little bit actually. So that that's kind of up in the air. So this next week could be interesting as far as like where he actually ends up. And we can talk about some of the reasons why he might be dropping just a little anyways. Well, well, tell me this first of all, because Adley Rushman is the guy that everybody's saying a catcher is the number one. But what's interesting is, and, and I want to address this, we'll get this right off the bat. He, he's supposed to go number one overall, but every mock draft has Bobby Witt Jr. going second, no matter what. And it's almost as though people believe that if Rushman doesn't get drafted number one overall, if for some reason there's a surprise, he isn't going two. They're sold on Witt Jr. He's go, he'll, he'll be available at three. Is that is that a good way to ev- assess the rumors that are coming out right now that, that, that if he doesn't get picked number one overall, he could be sitting for the sacks at three? Yeah, I think I think that's actually makes sense. I I would actually say that the two most likely names for the White Sox at three are C.J. Abrams, um, the high school shortstop out of Georgia, and Adley Rushman. Now, 
I don't, I don't know what to believe. Like the, the Baltimore thing is, is weird. And that's Mike Elias, who was the uh, scouting director, I believe for the Astros, but he definitely worked for the Astros. And he was one of the guys who unearthed um, Carlos Correa, like out of Puerto Rico back when, you know, Carlos Correa was mentioned as like a top 10 guy in that draft, but he wasn't necessarily supposed to go one. And the Astros kind of made, some of that game playing up at the top of the draft famous where, you know, they, they get a good player, but maybe not a guy that's going to take like your entire bonus pool amount. And then you could like spread more money out throughout the rest of the draft. Now there's some thought that Baltimore might try to do that. Um, but I mean, Rushman might be the best number one overall since Bryce Harper. So while he might not totally fit their window because he's probably going to be in the majors in 18 months and they're still going to be really bad by then. I, I think it's kind of tough to pass on that guy, but it is interesting. I mean, the only way, like, like you were saying, like he, he could fall to the socks. Now it, it depends on who goes one though. Like if they, if they pass on Rushman at one, but they take Bobby Witt, then I think Rushman goes two. Right. But, you know, if they, decide, but it seems like the Royals, it, it, it seems it, like the Royals are all about wit. Right. Yeah, the, the Royals are taking Bobby Wood. I think if he, unless he goes one. Yeah. So yeah. So I think he he's going one, which kind of like a lot of people have like Rushman Wit one two. So they're not even talking about Wit to the Sox. Like I personally think the Sox would take Wit, but I just don't think I don't think he's going to be there. And I think they know that too. I mean, that's this is like basically signed, sealed, and delivered to Kansas City. Right. Okay. So Rushman is. I mean, he's the prize but we're hoping that Baltimore does something different. Now, if for some reason he slipped, and then we'll get into the, t- the debate amongst the guys at three, if for some reason he slips, it, what is, how does that explain it to everybody out there that doesn't understand you know, the, the, the signing money and how it gets used? How does, it, how does that affect the White Sox? I mean, first of all, they could, they could still pay him, right? There's no chance he sits there and says, well, I went to three and that, you know. I mean, they could still pay him and they could still do what they want to do, right, if they go get him? Yeah, they can pay him. I mean, it, it might affect a little bit what they do the rest of the draft just because – so, like, their first-round pick is, like, just over $7 million. Um, I think if Rushman goes one, I mean, I think the Orioles are going to try to get him as cheap as possible. But if you're him, like, if, you know, there's, there's absolutely no reason for him to take a discount at one. So the Orioles can pay him, like, a little bit over $8 million. Even if, like, he went three and the Sox had to get closer to that eight number, they can do it. It might affect another pick down the road, but, like, you'd have Abley Rushman, so who right. cares? You know, so yeah, no, so it won't be a scenario where it's like, oh no, we can't pay the bonus amount or whatever. They'll do it. They'll get it done. It might change like their overall strategy a little bit, but I mean, it's, it, I I think they would get that done. He doesn't, he doesn't fall farther than three. And that would be, you know, it would kind of be the euphoric feeling of like when they got Carlos Rodon and we've all seen the, you know, how that's, how that's worked out. You know, if he wouldn't, if he wouldn't have so many, if he wouldn't have so many injuries, you know. Yeah, and that wasn't supposed to happen either, you know. So, and that was that was also a Mike Elias front office that you know that passed on Carlos Rodon that year. So, I mean, I think it's possible. I don't think it's likely. I think I think he's going one. But, I know, but you're giving me hope. I mean, with at this. least it, at least it offers. It, <laughs> there is a there is a pathway for it to for it to happen. And the other thing I will say about that is like Houston typically like. They don't they don't decide on their pick until like an hour before the draft. Or they, and you know obviously this is Baltimore, so it's a little bit different. But if he takes some of those same philosophies with him, like we we might have no idea until next Monday. All right, let's talk about the two guys that I've heard the most about 
that would go to the White Sox at three and who it's going to be between. We got Andrew Vaughn at first base. We have C.J. Abrams, who's a shortstop. Vaughn is a college player. Abrams is a, is a high school player. The White Sox have only taken two high school players, correct me if I'm wrong, since the turn of this century, and neither one of them worked out for them. Does that affect them when they're making a pick? Do you think that this front office is like, we don't do well with this, let's just take the safe pick in college? I don't, I don't think it can. I, th- I mean, I think they've obviously been more risk-averse lately, and they've went, they've went on the college side. Now, I think I'll preface this by saying, like, this is the fourth year under Nick Hostetler's reign. He, um, while he was in the organization, like, he, he's added a lot of new scouts, and there's people in different jobs. So, I mean, when people go back and they point to Courtney Hawkins and they point to Carson Fulmer, and they're destined to, like, pick somebody that, that's pretty bad, I, I, don't really, I don't really buy into that. And I also think it's too early to really, like, criticize any of his picks the last three years. I mean, look, you can look at – some of them and say, like, you know, like Zach Collins, Jake Berger, there's been some issues, but it is still too early to make any determinations there. So when Nick Hostetler took over this job, he said he really liked high school players. When he worked for the, for the Braves, that's like what he did. So I actually thought they were going to start taking high school players a lot sooner. But, you know, he also said that they needed to insulate their, this system. They needed to add baseball players to the White Sox farm system because the system was so bad that they needed like a base of players. And we've talked about this in the past where, you know, their system at, in spots lacks high upside, but I think there's a lot of big leaguers in the system. So, you know, those guys are also tradable down the road. So I, I think it's time. I think it's time to go younger. And I think that's what they're going to do. I mean, he also said to James Fagan in a, uh, in, the, in one of his athletic pieces that, you know, last year you got to see the personality of the scouting department a little bit. I mean, they did take five or six high school guys last year, and it was kind of a break from, like, the recent norm there. So, no, I don't think, I don't think they'll be scared. I think fans are, are going to freak out, but, you know, they can't, they can't be scared by the, by the premium athlete, I don't think. Talk me off of the ledge slightly on this because I – I always like the idea of middle infielders. So I would always tend to go towards a guy like Abrams. But that said, even though Vaughn supposedly runs like he's got a piano on his back and grades out to be basically just a first baseman unless we get lucky and he can move over to third, and that's the most I've read about him, the one thing about him is he's going to hit. That he, he rates out really high as a hitter. And every scout says, no matter what this, no matter what you say about him, he's going to get to the major leagues. He's going to hit and he's going to hit for power. He seems pretty short, at least on the batting side of things. Is am I wrong? Is there? Have you heard about holes in his in his game that would make that wrong? Because I mean, there's a lot less questions. It seems like with him, and you know, we're the team that's dealing with weird injuries and guys that don't work out as much as we want them to right now. Talk me off the ledge here because I keep thinking that Vaughn probably should be number three. Yeah, so Vaughn is very, very safe because I think he's going to hit, but he's under six feet tall and he's right-handed okay. and he's a first baseman. So those guys don't go this high. Like Andrew Vaughn can completely mash. I mean, his his offensive profile has been, you know, like it's similar to Chris Bryant. Now it's at first base. So then it comes into question, do you take a first baseman with a pick that high? And And that's, I think, what... So Jim Callis of MLB Pipeline has kind of said the White Sox are looking for up-the-middle players. Um, so I guess the the one good thing about C.J. Abrams would be if he doesn't stick in his primary position, which is shortstop, he's a gold-glove caliber defender in center field, whereas 
some of the first rounders they've taken lately who have had defensive concerns, well, those defensive concerns push them to first base or push them to designated hitter. So if you're like, Secondary option is gold glove center fielder. Like, you know, that's, that's not a bad option. Now I understand like you take 18 year olds, like um, there, there's, there's a lot of risk there, but there's also like a lot more time to figure it out. Like we've seen with some of the, you know, the Jake Burgers and Zach Collins is like, you take these guys and they're supposed to be like quick to the majors and they're safer. But if anything goes wrong at all, you're looking at, you know, you're looking at debuting at 24, 25 years old, where um, with some of this high school talent, it's just not really like that. So I think this is the time. I think Andrew Vaughn, look, if they take Andrew Vaughn next Monday night, I'm going to be super happy about it. Because I think Andrew Vaughn, similarly to Rushman, could be up in 18 months and like sitting in the middle of your order somewhere. Is it the best use of resources, though? I don't know. I mean, you're not planning on picking this high again, theoretically, um, you know, you you should be able to sign or draft the first baseman like when you're good. If you don't have one, you know, can you get a C.J. Abrams? I don't know if you can. So, and I also think C.J. Not that anybody like you know thinks that you're making this pick in order to trade it. I think C.J. Abrams has more value in the future. I mean, you're looking at a guy who, you know, could be a top ten prospect in the sport, you know, for like multiple years coming if he turns into like what they think he can. Is there any chance because he's in high school? that he decides that I'm going to go to college. I mean, is there any whisper of that for anybody that's not paying attention to this uh, as closely where like the guy could get drafted and be like, I, I, I want to, I want to go to, you know, university or whatever. Yeah, no, not, not, um, not this high. I mean, he's got a full ride to Alabama, I believe. And you know, a full ride to baseball ride. So it's not really a full ride. He's going to get like $6 million. So He's he's going pro. I mean, there's 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 some signability questions. Got question, guys. One of the big things with the baseball draft is um, when when those guys get taken in like the top three rounds, they sign because teams aren't stupid. It's not like you draft a guy and then you're sitting there till August 15th trying to negotiate. Like you got deals done. So there's a lot of times where if you're like watching the baseball draft or you're following it, you know uh, like best player available isn't isn't always a thing because it's kind of like who who you can sign. I mean, you might have like, you know, the 15th rated player on the board still sitting there in round three. Well, the reason for that is that guy might want $4 million and you're going to find out that he's like going to school. You know, that, that stuff, that stuff happens all the time, but no, I mean, with Abrams, with wit, even with um, Riley green out of Florida, I believe they, he, those guys are all signing. Is there a wild card besides the four that I just mentioned that you think the Sox could do? Could they look at pitching again, which they tend to, they tend to do in the in the in the first round. Is there any way that they go for somebody other than these four guys that we talked about at the top? I don't think so at three. Now, you know, I don't know what you've watched with so Nick Hostetler was on um six seventy this weekend with Matt Spiegel and he you know, they were talking about how they have six guys. You know, why they need six guys when they have the third pick is is beside me, but that's like me ranking 30 quarterbacks in fantasy football when I'm never going to get to yeah, that. <laughs> yeah. Right. Like, so, I mean, he did laugh about it and say like, you know, the biggest, the biggest thing is they need to rank the top three properly, you know, which, which I agree with, but he said that they met with six players. Um, he said they met with one of them is a college pitcher. The only thing they're not considering is a high school pitcher. So I think Nick Lodolo out of uh, Texas Christian is that guy who lefty starter out of, out of TCU. I, I don't think he's an option at three, though. I mean, you just, there's just too many good players. One of them's going to be there. I look at his scouting here. His rate, he rates out with a 
Uh, he rates out 55 at fastball slider and change up and control. He's like just straight across the board, just sitting at that number. I think when you look at the guys that are sitting up there that we mentioned in the top four, I might be disappointed if they go and get him unless he turns out to be a star. That'd be something I remember. Like, remember when we had a chance, these other guys, you didn't make that pick. I mean, that that'd be one of those that would stand out at me, I think. Yeah, for sure. He, I mean, he's like a number three starter. I mean, he, I mean, you're talking, I, if I had to mock it out right now, I think he'd probably go seven to the Reds and he might go a little bit later than that. That's one of the weak points in this draft is the college pitching because I think the past couple of years, the way the bonus pools have been, and there's been like a lot of money to spend, a lot of high school pitchers have just gone pro, like out of high school. So your college crop isn't as good. Now, you know, for a team like the White Sox, who likes to add pitching, like, and they've gotten guys later, like in rounds five through 10, I, I think there's pitching. But if you want to take one with a high pick, there's just, there's not. Like, no, there's, there's not a lot up there. After you get through uh, Rushman and Witt Jr. and Vaughn and Abrams, after that, the the next three guys that are rated out that are the the highest ones, at least, uh, you know, the consensus thing that you're getting is are three outfielders, and and then you're running into the you know to Lodolo, and then after that, I mean, you, I mean, after that, now there's no way that any of those guys compare to what you would get at three. So to me, it seems like you're you're not going to go out and get another outfielder. You, you're not going to get that pitcher for the same reason that you just said. So we're really talking about the big four right here. Do you see Witt Jr. as the, I mean, for some reason, some strange reason, the Orioles do something really weird. And and then somehow the Royals decide that they want Rushman and Witt Jr. falls to, it, it, Bobby Witt Jr. falls to the White Sox. Is that the pick? Is it, he clearly above Abrams if that happens? Yeah, I think if, yeah, like definitely if, if it's Vaughn that go like say like Vaughn took, like five million or something to go number one, and you know for whatever reason Kansas City like loved Wit but wasn't expecting Rushman to be there, and they pulled the, they pulled the trigger on Rushman. Um, I think I think the Sox would take Wit at three, but I guess that's like you know Wit being there at three is like the one scenario that like nobody's really talking about. I think now it's kind of if Rushman falls, it's a dream scenario. You take him. If not, I think everybody's kind of expecting CJ Abrams at this point, even some rival scouting departments from what I've been told are expecting the White Sox to take Abrams at three. Um, but look, I mean, if, if the Sox operation gets on a clock at three and they end up like changing course and going with the college hitter, I don't think anybody would be super surprised by that. And I don't think anybody would be like upset either, like with Vaughn or Abrams. Um, I, I think I think I think more people are going to be upset if they take Abrams, honestly, because people people are afraid, you know, just because of the past. I mean, people are afraid because of Courtney Hawkins. They're afraid because of some of your other guys, but they completely disregard the fact that this team, you know, somehow they did develop Tim Anderson. I mean, Tim Anderson played one year at a junior college and he was as raw as it gets. I mean, C.J. Abrams has been playing baseball his entire life. He's just young. You know what? I'm going to tell you something. After listening to you, I I probably would rank them right now. After listening to you, I'd probably rank them as Rushman, Witt Jr., and Abrams. I I would probably say that would be my three in, in that order. I mean, I listen I listen to the argument that you're making about it, and I sit there and I think, you know, it'd be incredible if you got Adley Rushman. I mean, that just be. I mean, it, it, it that's a, that's a talent right there. But I've always liked in the middle of the the field players where you know I I've said that we've said that multiple times on this show that. You know, that's something that you have to get a lot of because if they don't work out, you can move them to other places. It's not like you could take a first baseman and say, you're going to be a shortstop now. They don't move in that direction. They move in the other direction. And I see, you know, I've had some stuff on Twitter, you know, too, where like we were doing some stuff and 
um, we're talking about T.J. Abrams, and, you know, people are just, like, they think it's the football draft or something. They're like, where would he play? I'm like, I don't know, shortstop. Like, what about Tim Anderson? I'm like, I don't know, then center field. Like, what about Luis Robert? I'm like, that's not the way this works, man. You, <laughs> you know, you, you take the best player. If you Look, if you, I don't think anybody's ever had too many up-the-middle players. Right. I, don't think that's ever, I don't think that's ever happened before. So, <laughs> like, if I, you know, he could play left. Or, God forbid, like, in three years when he's ready to go, if you have a stud at shortstop and center field already, like, I think they'll find a place for C.J. Abrams to play. Or, right. you know what, you trade him. He'll be a second. It out. He'll be a second. Or he'll be in right. Or they'll find some place for him. So, I mean, it'll be – so, it'll be – I mean, look, if you would have asked me – if we would have been having the same conversation even two and a half, three weeks ago, I would have said it's Vaughn and it's a lock. And – but, you know, I started doing – I started looking at some stuff, and I, his numbers aren't as good this year. Like, I disregard a lot of that because he's, you know, one of the only hitters on Cal, and I think he's chasing a little bit. Like, his numbers are still really good. He just – you know, he hit 23 homers his sophomore year and won the Golden Spikes. And, you know, he's paying for that a little bit this year. He also didn't do outstanding in summer leagues with wood bats, and – you know, for all these college hitters that the White Sox have been taking, that's one of, like, Hostetler's things, man. Like, all these guys had wood bat success. Steel Walker did. Madrigal did. Collins did. Jake Berger was awesome with wood bats in the summer. And Vaughn was okay. Um, but I think, given the opportunity, you know, to get I, – I just think it's, you know, shortstop center field profile, 80-grade 80, 80 speed, um, a bat that's – developing i mean there's been some scouts that that have a 60 future power on abrams that with like a kenny lofton comp i mean Man. comps are crazy comps are crazy yeah. you know so you know so i mean take that for what it is I mean, i think he's similar he's a little bit similar to um twins number one overall pick royce lewis a couple of years ago and royce lewis like isn't hitting at all in low a so you know i don't know i mean it just royce lewis is gonna get there i still haven't i haven't lost faith in a guy like royce lewis i I've been following him since he got drafted. I still think that guy's going to get there eventually. You know, well, that's I, the thing, though. And even and even if they do struggle, what's what's the floor there, right? I mean, look at look at Byron Buxton. Byron Buxton was like supposed to be a superstar. Byron Buxton is not a superstar, but Byron Buxton is going to play in the league for a long, long time because he plays Gold Glove defense in center field. And he hits a little bit and he has power. Whereas, like, you know, if you're a first baseman and you don't hit. Like you, there, there's nowhere else to go from there. There's nowhere else to extract any value if Andrew Vaughn doesn't hit. Now I'm fairly confident he's going to hit, but like you know, what what if you break a hammock bone like in in rookie ball, and then you you know you you take a year to get back, and then you know you finally start raking, but then you get to the big leagues and you're you know you're 24 already. It's just you know it's just the same profile kind of over and over again and i think that's one of the reasons why they're going to change it up one other thing on that is Kylie McDaniel Fangrass kind of brought up the fact that they might be able to save a little bit of money on Abrams i don't know how much cuz i don't think he would fall further than 6 um but i mean even if you you know even if he signs for like 6.2 million or something and you can pocket a million dollars to use at pick 45 you might be able to get like a top 25 talent at 45 I want to read this to you before I let you go here, okay, James? This is two years ago, or not two years ago, three years ago, the 2016 June Amateur Draft, okay? These are the, these are the top 10 picks. Mickey Moniak, Nick Senzel, Ian Anderson, Riley Pint, 
Corey Ray, AJ Puck, Braxton Garrett, Cal Quantrill, Matt Manning, Zach Collins. The White Sox picked 10th in that one. There are names in there that did not work out. You can already tell they're not going to work out. This is a crapshoot in a lot of ways. It's not like the NFL draft, like you said earlier. Even, you know, it's good to have that third pick. You know, I, I saw something recently where it said to the White Sox over the last, you know, I think it was something over the last uh, 10 years or something like that. They have, have created the most wins above replacement in their first round picks than any other team in Major League Baseball, which shocked me. Yeah, that was a tweet. That, that was a tweet that I retweeted yesterday. Actually, okay, I saw guy, it from you from a guy you... named Jeff Jeff Fair. Yeah, it's pretty interesting. Yeah, and and th- this is not the easiest thing. There, there's no such thing as a sure thing. They seem to make a a pretty okay pick, even when they even when it doesn't work out. Their guys are making it to the major leagues at least in some way, at least over the last couple of years, or they're listed right now on these high prospect lists. It, it'll be interesting to see when ends up happening because, like I said, I mean, there's names in here. I I couldn't I can't find them right now. I go look at a prospect list. I can't I can't even find some of these guys on here. And that was just 2016, and they're not in the majors. So it's not always yeah. 100 that this is going to work out. Well, yeah. So that's one of the things. Pretty basically, like I was tweeting out a bunch of stuff and trying to get some stuff going for future socks. And uh, you know, somebody's like, "Oh, I'm sure whoever they take is going to be terrible because they're bad at drafting in the first round." And I, you know, I think it's easy to say that when like you you live in the prism of like all you watch is the White Sox. You know, like, it's very easy to think, like, oh, that first-round pick sucked. Like, they're bad at it. But when you look around baseball, it is incredibly hard. It's just, it, it's, you know, they, they say that it's an inexact science because it is, because they have no idea. And, like, I mean, they're not trying to draft bad players, but, like, you know, they're kids, and it's, like, probably the hardest game to play in the world. So um, it, that was an interesting tweet. Like, somebody, he mentioned to me, like, so what he did was he took the Cubs, and then the Sox, and then the rest of the Sox division over the last, whatever it was, like 10 years, first-round picks. The Sox have accumulated the highest amount of war. Now, all of that is pretty much Chris Sale and Tim Anderson. You know, so it's Chris Sale's like 45 of that war. But still, like when you go to the Indians list, 25 of it is Francisco Lindor, and 40 of the Cubs is, is Chris Bryant. I mean, it's the same way for everybody. You know, it's not like everybody's drafting – these guys that have accumulated 20 to 25 war over the last, you know, five, six years. It's always, yeah, you took one guy that was awesome. And that's like, you know, and, and, and the, the White Sox did that with Chris Sale and more recently with Tim Anderson. And I think, I think the jury is obviously still out on Nick Hostetler's first round picks. But if you told me, you know, that the Sox are a little bit better next year and then they make the playoffs in 2021 and you were to tell me that, that Collins, Jake Berger, and Nick Madrigal were all contributors on that team. Like, I, I wouldn't be surprised by that at all. I just, you know, I think stuff has happened. I think that Collins is going to see the big leagues this year. I think Nick Madrigal, after his wrist injury, is taking a little bit longer than, than, than people thought. Hold on a second. How are we going to get Zach Collins in there when Wellington Castillo comes back and takes half of the bats? How is he going? Well, how are we going to get him in there? I don't even think Wellington's the biggest problem. I think Yonder is. <laughs> He's a problem too, but I I mean, I don't, I still haven't figured out why Wellington Castillo's getting half the at-bats. That's still something I still, I can't, I don't get that the way that McCann has been hitting the ball. I know, I know that everybody's like, well, you know, he's not going to be a superstar and I get it, but the guy's kind of earned a little bit more than a 50-50 split right now, I think. Yeah, I think, I think Wellington like catches Lopez. I think that's why, but it's doing, it's going so well for Lopez, isn't it? Well, I also (laughs) think that the White Sox, you know, 
since they don't spend any money, like they, they had to extract as much value as they could. So, right. I mean, I, I think they were hoping that they could trade Castillo and Yonder for for anything. Quite frankly, like if somebody would eat the money and give them some sea level prospects, I think that that was their dream. I think that ship has sailed. Um, nothing's going to happen until after the draft, obviously. But yeah, I mean, Zach Collins. Uh, there, there's not really much more for Zach Collins to do, like in Charlotte. I mean, this is kind of Zach Collins is kind of showing you what he is. You know, he's going to be. He's going to be a guy that a lot of people don't like because he's going to strike out a lot and he's going to walk a lot and he's going to hit a lot of homers. And a lot of people don't like, don't like watching that. And he doesn't, he doesn't swing that often. So, I mean, you know, so he just kind of sits back and waits for that pitch he's looking for. Yeah. I mean, he's only going to swing if he, if he can hit it. Now I think that might help him in the majors. Whereas like um, in the, in the minors, you know, there's, there's really bad umpires and there's bad strike zones. And I think he struck out on a lot of times that he maybe wouldn't have at a higher level, but I mean, yeah, so we'll see. I mean, he's, he's got adjustments to make, but I mean, he's a, he's a triple a, we're going to see him pretty soon. You give me hope, James, when you say things like that, you give me hope and that's good. I need hope here. I sit next to negative <laughs> Dave. When we do the podcast, he comes in here angry, slams his foot, fist down on the bar. And I'm like, what is wrong with you? Sometimes I can't even figure out why he's angry. He just yells. Well, if you watch all the major league games, it happens. I don't that, that's, <laughs> people. And some people have said that, like, maybe I'm a bad fan. I don't know. I don't, I don't watch all the games. So now I, I, DV, I DVR them and like kind of find out what happened and then I'll go back and watch the games. Like right. I watch all the G, I watch all the Giolito starts, you know, I even thought like, Oh, it's Memorial day and it's a day game. Like maybe I should go down to the ballpark. And then I'm like, Ivan Nova. Nope. Not happening. <laughs> so. Oh, maybe they'll have open pitching tryouts in July. We, we, we can get yeah. like a fan to pitch for a day. You know, yeah, I mean, something. Yeah, they're, they're hurting. Yeah, one day Dylan Cease will be here. I know they're not going to rush him, but one day. Soon. Dylan it'll be, Cease it'll will be, be sooner. Here. It's going to be sooner than you think. Hey, James Fox, he's from Future Sox. He's from Loop Sports. He spent a lot of time with us. I really appreciate it. And I hope the draft goes well, buddy. All righty. I'll, I'll check in afterwards and uh, we can we can recap it in a week or so. Definitely. I owe you a beer or two next time we bump into each other at a game. Sounds good. The best the best kind of beer is free beer, right? That's right. Oh. Exactly. Another show is wrapped up. Another show's in the books. Another show is wrapped up. And then by the looks, it's going to be a good one. And we'll see you next week. And the nude is Another show is wrapped up, another show is wrapped up, another show is wrapped up, and it's in the books. Another show is wrapped up, another show is wrapped up, and by the looks, it's gonna be a good one. Nudie's Basement, broadcast, Basement, the Nudie's Basement, the Broad Basement. Slancha. That was like Dropkick Murphys or something, right? I felt like it. Socks in the Basement. <laughs> Heard everywhere a podcast can be found. And always on SocksInTheBasement.com.